welcome back to the Women of Web3 podcast. I'm your host, Lauren Ingram. I'm also the founder of Women of Web3. We're a community that's connecting women in the next iteration of the internet. We've got in-person events, Twitter spaces, this podcast. We've got Women of Web3 Accelerator on LinkedIn. We've also got a talent collective that you can apply to be part of. So you can get approached by Web3 employers about potential roles in crypto, DeFi, NFTs, and more. That's also the best place if you're a Web3 company and want some amazing female talent to grow your startup. So just head to womenofweb3.co slash jobs. Today, I'm really happy to be joined by a fellow podcaster, that's Jenny Suto, or Jenny from the blockchain, as she's sometimes known. She's the co-host of the NFT Catcher pod, which is a huge podcast, and they've now released over 100 episodes. She's also the head of marketing for an NFT trading platform called Evaluate.xyz. And prior to falling down the Web3 rabbit hole, she was a huge beauty TikToker. She's got over 700,000 followers, so, you know, no big deal. Um, she also used to run a podcast with her twin sister called TikToks, all about growth on the platform. So today we're going to get into what kind of trends she's seeing in the NFT space, especially given it's quite a strange market at the moment, and her role at Evaluate. So without further ado, here's Jenny. So welcome to the show, Jenny. Can you start off by saying who you are and what you do? Yes, I am Jenny from the blockchain. Thank you so much for having me on. I am head of marketing at Evaluate.xyz and uh, co-host of the NFT Catcher podcast. And um, yeah, I just, my my whole life is kind of Web3 right now. So very involved. Yeah, same living and breathing it. So like I told you uh, just beforehand, we always start off with a little jargon buster. So I'm going to make you define floor price, which I know is a, in theory, an obvious one, but actually sometimes people define it a little bit differently. So go for it. The floor price is the lowest possible price you can buy an NFT on the secondary market. That's what I would define it as. Yeah, I would say the same. I think the part actually that sometimes confuses me is, is that the lowest price that somebody else has paid for that collection? Or is there like a time limit on that of like the lowest price that somebody's accepted in the last week or the last hour? Well, so I mean, yeah, I, I generally think of floor price as like the lowest possible listing of an NFT, like within a specific collection. Okay, cool. I'd love to hear what you do at Evaluate. Um, so what Evaluate does and what your role as head of marketing involves. Yeah, so Evaluate.xyz, we've been around since we were incorporated in um, March of 2021. And I got hired on a month later. So I was like the first hire came in very early on to help with socials. And um, really, they found me because I had a YouTube channel that I was just making videos on about NFTs. At the time, it was NBA Top Shot. And yeah, and so I, I, I started on just helping with social and community and, you know, later got promoted to head of marketing once I started doing a lot more within within the company. Yeah. One of the things we do is, first of all, there's a lot of NFT analyzer sites out there, right? That you can track the value of your portfolio. You can, you know, see all these marketplace listings and analyze and see the latest sales and listings and all that. So we decided, you know, we wanted to recently, we wanted to build something new and we're actually the first live trading platform. So there's a lot of offline trading platforms like nfttrader.io and and a bunch of others where you can send people direct links and be like, hey, I, you know, let's let's trade this and here's the link to it. And a lot of people get scammed that way because you can, you know, they can get sent phishing links and you can recreate uh, what the what the landing page would look like for that. But there's no way to send direct links to a live trade. And so our our way of trading is a very secure way. And it's also very fun because there's like a built-in chat feature and um, you don't even have to know anyone to trade. You can just click 
start trading and it'll match you with someone else that has similar NFTs as you. And then you can, you know, start chatting and negotiating. And, and then we built out a smart contract where as soon as you both sign, the assets get transferred over simultaneously. So yeah, that is live trading, the first live trading platform for Flow and Ethereum NFTs, which for the Flow community, this is huge because, um, you know, some of the big Flow projects, NBA Talk Show, NFL Day, UFC Strike, you basically have to go. So for ETH NFTs, you can go to OpenSea and I can buy all these different types of NFTs, right? And it's just kind of like this one site where I can buy all this different stuff. For Flow NFTs, a lot of the times, they have their own websites that you have to go to. NBA Top Shot, you have to go there to buy to buy your NFTs, and you can't go to some other site, you know, and and buy multiple stuff and you know different collections. But with our site, you can actually trade across platforms, so you can trade NBA Top Shot moments for UFC Strike moments for Flunks and you know other Flow PFPs, um, and for free too. It's a free tool that we built for the community, um, you know, just because it's like. The bear market we're trying to build um, and we're trying to build fun tools for the people that are still here. So how do you avoid people getting scammed then? Because, you know, you're saying it's quite easy for people to end up clicking on links. I remember that in the early days of buying and selling NFTs, you know, when you're just kind of, you don't really know what you're doing and seeing other people make mistakes and talking about it on Discord and saying, hey, I thought I was trading an NFT with somebody for, you know, we had NFTs that we felt were a similar value and a good swap. But now I've had like my crypto wallet drained, et cetera. I think it's quite a common issue for newbies. So how do you prevent that happening? And also, do you do much education around that? So the way we built the site, first of all, you can't send a direct link to somebody and be like, hey, here, come join this trade with me. Both users have to be online. So, you know, you have to have your wallet connected to our site, both of you. And and obviously, you want to make sure that when you're connecting to a site, you read what you're allowing and you want to make sure it always says things like, you know, suggest transactions and not like approval transactions. And so, yeah, there's some um, due diligence that you, you do have to do there, like on like making sure you know what what you're approving when you connect to a site. Um, and, and we can definitely do a better job of educating around that. Um, but yeah, once you're in a live trade, I mean, I would say you, you do have to pay attention because somebody can send you, they be like, okay, let's trade this for this. And, you know, you can suggest their NFTs and they can add it to their, their little trade lobby. And then, um, if you put in an offer and they accept, um, you have to make sure that whatever you have on each side is what you want. Um, and so some people, you know, you can trade something for nothing. That is a possible thing you can gift on our site. You can gift up to 25 NFTs. So you do want to make sure that when you're clicking accept and then when you're signing that, you know, both parties have exactly what they want. But luckily when you accept, that's not like, oh, that's it. You know, that you've accepted. That's it. After that, you both have to sign. So if one party signs and then you decide, oh, they signed, but now I don't want to do it. You can just exit out and you're good. As long as both parties don't sign, the, the the NFTs won't get, you know, traded over. But once both parties sign, it's irreversible, you know, on the smart contract level on the blockchain, it'll just, they'll get transferred over. So, and you'll see the new NFTs in your wallet. Nice. So I'd, I'd love to hear how you got into all of this. Uh, so as well as your role at Evaluate.xyz, you're also the co-host of the NFT Catcher podcast, which is massive. Yeah, I, I would I would love to hear your 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 backstory and or your light bulb moment of how you got into all of this. Basically, when I got into NFTs, I was really at a low point in my life and I was in debt, I was down bad, I was not doing well. And 
So at the time, my job was, I was a full-time TikToker and I would make funny beauty videos was like my niche, right? And I reached out to a ton of companies. I would look up on the Sephora website and gather all the list of companies and put it in a spreadsheet. And then I would find all their emails and then I would contact them and I would get myself brand deals and, you know, get myself sponsored video deals and stuff. And so that's how I made a living for a while, which was fun. But then I kind of got a little bit burnt out and I kind of, you know, I had a bit of a, I wasn't feeling as creative. I wasn't feeling as passionate about what I was doing. And one day I just decided to stop and I didn't know what I was going to do next, but I just know that I didn't want to do that anymore. And so I was kind of in limbo and I was like, not knowing what I wanted to do. And, you know, the bills are, 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 are rolling in and, you know, I'm like, oh no. And I didn't have any money saved up and I was already in debt. And so, yeah, I honestly, I started getting into like crystals and like manifesting. And seriously, like one week later, I discovered MBA Top Shot, which if you don't know, MBA Top Shot basically started the wave of NFTs blowing up in, in early 2021. So I got in in 2020 and I was one of the first couple thousand people. Now there's hundreds of thousands of people on Top Shot, but so I got really early um, and, and got really lucky with that. And I, and I had already been into crypto since 2017. So I already believed in like blockchain technology. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is like trading cards on the blockchain. Like this is, this is going to be huge. So I, I just like went all in despite, you know, not having anything to go all in. I was just like, let me just go all in, go more into that. Yeah. And, you know, I, I just, I don't know. I just went all in and then I didn't think it would take off until years down the line. Like I wasn't expecting it to blow up. I was just like, oh, in a couple of years, maybe this will, you know, do well. And then a couple months went by and things started really popping off. And it was like, whoa, this is really exciting. All of a sudden, all the things I bought for a dollar are going for like, you know, $10 or 15 or whatever. And um, so anyway, I basically got extremely passionate about MBA Top Shot. And I decided to start a YouTube channel because I was a content creator before and content creating is my passion. So it's like, I needed some type of creative outlet where I can express, you know, my creativity without just having to talk to my sister all the time about it. You know, I'm like, ah, I need, you know, I want to make videos. So I started a YouTube channel and quickly within like two weeks became like the number one subscribed, uh, NBA top shot YouTuber, right. Which there wasn't much competition, but like, it was just, I put a lot of effort into my videos. I put like five hours, you know, into my videos cause I wanted them to be good. And I would do like, here's what happened in the week of NBA top shot. Like, here's all the stuff, here are all the floor prices, which is ironic that you <laughs> asked me the floor price question. Um, but yeah. And so then everyone started watching my videos and yeah, started kind of becoming a bit of a influencer in the top shot space, which you know, at the time was a little different because it was a lot of, you know, middle-aged guys collecting these moments. So they're just like, who's this girl like coming in? And there's even like some conspiracies that like I got hired by the Top Shot to make these videos and stuff like that. Even though that wasn't true, I made zero dollars. Um, they never gave me anything. I just made them out of passion. But yeah, and so I, I did that for a while. And then um, that's how Evaluate found me because, you know, they were going to be this site that was going to allow you to track the value of your NBA Top Shot moments and stuff. And they're like, oh, we need this girl for our socials. So that's how that got started, which was great. Because I was like, 
yes, I totally need this job. This is awesome. And I was super pumped at the time. Um, and yeah, I love working at Evaluate now. Anyway, so then Topshock kind of started taking a dip, right? All of a sudden, you know, the bear market started happening for MBA Topshot, which is actually when Ethereum NFT started picking up. So this was around like, I don't know, March, April. I think I ended up stopping making YouTube videos in like July or so. I was doing it for a while, but just got depressing reporting, like, you know, bad news every time, right? It was like, ah, I just feel like this is not as fun. So I retired my YouTube channel and I didn't do anything for a bit. I was just on Twitter. And then I tweeted out like, oh, I really want to start a podcast about NFTs in general, you know, because I, I was getting more into ETH NFTs, not just flow NFTs. And this guy, Michael Keane, my co-host now, he reached out and he was like, he was like, hey, um, I know we don't really know each other that well, but we do follow each other. And, you know, my friend could be our producer. We could have this podcast together. And I was kind of like, um, I don't know who this guy is, but I'm willing to take a chance. Um, so yeah, we took a meeting and um, we just connected. And, you know, 100 episodes later, I think we're on episode 102 or something. It's been like since August of, of 2021. Uh, that we've been doing this. And yeah, it's just been fun, fun, uh, <laughs> fun journey since. Yeah. It's had some yeah amazing growth in that time. Has making it evolved a lot? Because obviously the NFT market has changed loads between summer 2021 and now winter 2022. The market itself is probably unrecognizable, but like has your approach to making the podcast changed much in that time? Yeah, it definitely has evolved. I mean, in the beginning, I was very adamant on I didn't want any guests. I just wanted it to be the facts on here's what happened in the week. Um, obviously that changed. Yeah. In, in 2022, we decided, okay, let's start bringing on guests. Like Let's start interviewing people. Let's change it up, not just once a week. Let's record twice a week. Let's do these interviews. Let's bring on special guests for like the Sunday recaps. And then obviously we started being a little bit more opinionated about stuff and all that. Honestly, it was kind of a combination of being at the right place at the right time. Like I want to say there weren't too many like NFT podcasts at that time. I don't know, summer 2021. And I think I listened back to the first episode and it was like, things were really blowing up. I think eight, the board eight floor was like 80th or something. And it's just, it was a good time to get in. Of course, everything was really exciting back then and prices were always going up. And now our approach, I mean, we still talk about like, what are the big things that happen? We try not to focus on the the negative, but we'll obviously mention things if, if bad stuff happens, like FTX and all that. It's like, we obviously have to mention that because we want to keep people informed on, okay, here's what's happening in the space. And then we do have a, a segment where we say the floor prices of like the top 10 projects and everything. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. It's still, it's still fun for me. It's still, there's still exciting things happening in the space every week. Like you'd be surprised, you know, when you have to kind of search and seek out, okay, what has happened? Like there's a lot of great things still happening, even though prices are, you know, going down. What kind of NFT projects would you say are still doing well in the current situation? I know we've got like a few big name launches, but aside from that, what kind of trends are you noticing? So I feel like you've clearly got your sort of finger on the bottom with this stuff. Yeah. So for example, this last week, like Yuga Labs um, acquired uh, 10 KTF or something. And it's like just things like that or, um, or Doodles announcing their Doodle Putt event in Miami and yeah, stuff less related to price, but more related to people doing things. And then I think like Pudgy Penguins is, is going to be in the Sotheby's auction and 
Fawoshis recently was at Christie's and, and auctioned off this piece that he did live for like, I believe it was like $200,000 or something. Um, and so, yeah, just like things like that, where it's like, here are some things that are happening that are a little bit less related to like, oh, the price doubled in the past week. Well, this is crazy, you know, and uh, congrats to everyone who bought in, right? It's just more, yeah, le- less related to that. So how do you think people are feeling at the moment? I know there's, um, like obviously there's been this sort of like crypto crash. And as you say, NFT prices have been going down. What do you feel like is the kind of mood of the moment? Yeah, I think, you know, I think a lot of people um, left and then, you know, you can tell through engagement, you know, numbers and, and a lot of the people that I remember seeing on the Twitter feed no longer there and people left and that's okay. And that's going to happen and that's expected. And if, you know, stuff that I put money into was going down a lot and I wasn't building in the space or anything, like I would probably leave too, like in crypto when all of a sudden, I mean, I bought the top in 2017. I bought the t- local top at the time. And so after that, when things got boring, like I just left. I wasn't listening to podcasts about crypto. I wasn't, you know, involved in the space, watching YouTube videos, whatever, uh, putting money in. And so I think there will be people that leave and that's fine. And, and you know, maybe they'll come back during the next cycle. But I think it's so important that people that are still here, that are building, that are, even if they're not building, even if you don't have anything going on, like even if you're just paying attention and listening and just being here is honestly enough. And uh, you'll be way ahead of the people that that left because, you know, those who are here during during the bad times, like they'll prosper during the good times. So even if you're not investing, even if you're not doing anything like, yeah, I think for the people that are here, I, I have a feeling the people that are here are a little more um, thick skinned, you know, and they're like, they can they can handle this. Um, because they're here, like, you know, if you can't handle it, you would be gone. So yeah. And how do you tend to stay informed? Do you also listen to a lot of podcasts or uh, still watch a lot of YouTube videos and things? I suppose actually, yeah. How do you like surface great quality content? I actually don't listen to podcasts much. Um, and I don't really watch YouTube videos much. So it's honestly Twitter. And basically when I scroll and I see something important or big, I'm like, oh, this is newsworthy. I'll bookmark it. And then at the end of the week, I'll scroll through and I'll see all my bookmarks for the week that it's like, oh, here's everything that happened. And then Michael, he researches, you know, a bunch of topics and then we'll kind of come together and like collab with our topics. But the stuff that gets a lot of engagement kind of surfaces to the top. So I'll see that. And and usually that's like the big news and things like that. And then, you know, just bookmark it. And then at the end of the week, I'll I'll revisit it. I, I was definitely using Twitter more previously, like, yeah, probably the first half of 2022. I was using Twitter loads in terms of sort of building a community and sharing information, that kind of thing. And also just like sharing points of view around what kind of Web3 I would like to see, um, you know, as, as as myself or as women of Web3. But now a lot of that stuff for me is living on LinkedIn that like my sort of professional and personal is blurring. Are, are you using it much as well? LinkedIn? No, I've never used LinkedIn, but I have heard a lot of people saying, oh, you know, everyone's starting to go over to LinkedIn and like LinkedIn is the next thing. So it's very interesting to me, but I haven't used it. Briefly back on NFTs, do you think they'll still be called NFTs in future? Like, do you do you tend to hear people calling them other names or not? Because I know um, Meta calls them digital collectibles when they're like within their platforms. As more and more people take them up, we might call them a different name. Are you hearing them being called anything else or not really? Yeah. So honestly, when I got into NFTs, nobody was really saying like NFTs. Like, for example, NBA Topshop calls them moments and 
Yeah, NFTs is kind of, I would say digital collectibles sounds a lot more, and especially for some of the Web2 companies that are like getting into Web3, you know, NFTs kind of have a bit of a, a negative reputation in the, you know, with, within the masses and, and their viewpoint on them. So I think they're trying to change the name of like, okay, these are not NFTs, guys, they're digital collectibles. Or like um, Reddit came out with uh, digital avatars. And it's like just coming up with a different name, even though it's the same thing. Um, yeah, I do think it'll be something that, because NFTs, like, what does NFT mean? And even if the definition, non-fungible token, what does that mean? You know, like, okay, a unique token. Okay, like what? Like, what, what do you mean a unique token? But digital collectible to me, that makes sense. It's like, oh, something digital. I know what digital means. I know what collectible is. Like that makes sense to me on what an NFT is. And especially as we move away from the whole speculative, crazy, volatile price era that we had and move towards things just being a little bit more calm and things being more catered to the collectors instead of the flippers. So uh, I would say digital, I mean, digital collectibles sounds great to me. doesn't really roll off the tongue, but you're right. It makes a lot more sense of it. Or even like digital trading cards uh, also kind of makes better sense of it, but doesn't always encapsulate things like if something's more like a membership card, it kind of applies to that. I wanted to ask you about if you have any other tips in terms of building community in Web3. Mm, yeah, I would say um, my mantra is build and they will come. Like that's my thing. Like if you just put out content, if you just keep grinding and building and doing, people will notice. They will. Maybe not at first, right? It might take a bit of consistency, but over time people will be like, oh, what's this person doing over here? Like clearly they're doing something. And all of a sudden you, you, know, you start uh, attracting people and um, people start paying attention to what you're doing. And then from there, just being, um, you know, to, to develop and cultivate a community, it's like engaging with the people that are interested in what you're doing. Like, that's huge, in, in my opinion. And yeah, like remembering who people are and getting to know people that are following you or like, you know, part of your community interested in what you're doing. That's huge because, yeah, it's all about building relationships. And honestly, that's why I think NFT events are so great because it's like people are able to connect in person and it just adds that second layer to it that you don't get, you know, digitally when you're just you know, typing away or even meeting, you know, it's like I can see you, but, you know, we're through a screen and it's just not the same. It's not the same experience as like an in-person experience where you can feel somebody's energy and, you know, things are just a little bit different. What would you say is the best NFT event of this year so far? Oh my gosh. So I went to VCon and they had invited me to moderate uh, panels and moderated five panels. One of them was on the main stage, which I was like so nervous for. The lady was, girl, are you good? I was like, yes. She was like, breathe, breathe. I was like, okay. <laughs> um, but yeah, I was I was nervous, but I ended up doing a good job. Like I just thankfully I was just the question asker. So that is not the hardest task, you know? Like I didn't have to be the one answering the question. So, but yeah, that was so fun. Like there were so many people there. I mean, there was thousands of people there. And, and then I don't know, just obviously being able to be backstage and stuff and meet some of the other speakers and, and, you know, people putting on the event and, it was really cool. That was an incredible experience that, yeah, I hope to be invited back to uh, next year when they do it again. But uh, yeah, honestly, any NFT event though. And I also vlogged it, which was really fun because then people got to kind of watch my journey and follow along and see it through my perspective. Um, and I would put together these like one to two minute videos um, and post them on Twitter, like in real time. It, it took a lot of work. 
but I put out like 20 vlogs in like four days or something. It was crazy. Um, but it was fun because then I can go back and I can see, you know, everything, you know, the whole part of my journey and everything that I did and remember, oh yeah, I met that person. And oh yeah, I remember feeling that experience and doing that. Was this all on your own or do you have like a, a team helping out with like posting things and just managing it all? I'm crazy. It was all on my own. I basically, so I'm really, really good at like um, doing stuff on my phone. So I would like film on my phone and I would film little clips. And because I was really good at TikTok, I'm really good at filming little clips and knowing like to put them together. So I'd film these little clips, little takes. And then I don't know, I'm like, oh, I think I have enough. And I would like hide away, run into like some backstage, like changing room. And I would edit together the clips. And then I would, um, I think I even captioned them too, in case people didn't listen to the audio. And then I would post it. And then I would go about my day and continue recording. And I would try to do them in real time. And then by the end of the night, you know, I was exhausted, but it was definitely worth it. Amazing. Did you meet any um, big celebrities? Oh man, I saw um, Liam Payne from One Direction and I was like, oh my God, that's Liam Payne. But I was like, t- I was like, no way I'm going to go up to him. And like, I was too nervous. Oh, and I also saw Huda uh, from Huda Beauty and I have like a bunch of her makeup and I actually even um, used to get sent a bunch of makeup from Huda. So, but I was also too nervous to like say hi. But anyway, I met people, which was cool. So someone introduced me and I met people. So in the Web3 space, like obviously he's really big. Who else? Man, I met so many people. It, it becomes a bit hard to like recall, which is why I have the vlogs. Some really big people then. That's why I'm jealous. Oh, and Gary. I met Gary. We interviewed him for five minutes for our pod, which was fun. And yeah, uh, that was cool to see. And, and honestly, his his video guy, D-Rock, like I used to follow him back in the day and everyone knew that D-Rock was the guy behind like all the vlogs and everything. And so it was like cool meeting him too. I'm going to link to a bunch of these people in the show notes um, because because uh, we've got a lot of beginners. So I think most of those names will make sense, like Liam Payne. <laughs> and then some of them maybe less so, like D-Rock. Lastly, do you have any other like tips to share with kind of like, uh, you know, NFT newbies, beginners in the space, whether it's like learning resources or safety tips, anything like that? I would definitely recommend trying to learn as much as you can before you jump in. Uh, but you're obviously not going to be able to learn anything. I mean, they say the best way to learn is immersive learning, which is just like doing and learning through doing. So, but make sure you have things set up correctly. I will say that. I remember when I got into crypto, it was always ingrained in me that your password should not be stored anywhere digitally, which is true for Web3 as well for your NFTs. Write it down on a piece of paper, put it in a safe or something, but do not store things digitally. Also get a hardware wallet if you're going to have valuable assets and learn how to set that up. It's pretty easy. You can learn anything on YouTube these days. So that's the beauty of it. That's true. In a way, anybody can become an expert in this stuff. And actually, that's what's quite exciting is that like this stuff is still so new. It's changing very quickly, but there are loads of amazing content creators out there that are sharing their learnings, including you on your podcast. And especially when it comes to women, because I know that a lot of women tell me that they've been finding this whole space quite intimidating, quite jargon heavy. And you sort of don't know where to start. Um, in fact, that quite often is my question. They'll say like, where do I start? Like, I don't know where to start looking, researching, learning, etc. So anything like this always really helps. So lastly, Jenny, where can people find you? Uh, you can find me on Twitter, Jennifer underscore pseudo. You can find me on my podcast, the NFT Catcher Pod. Uh, you can email me, Jenna at evaluate.market. 
but yeah, that's, I mean, I really just, I think that's all my socials. If you want to search my old YouTube channel, Jennifer Topshot. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. Well, I've really enjoyed our conversation. So thank you for your time. been the women of web3 podcast brought to you by women of web3 if you enjoyed today's show please give us a rating on apple podcasts spotify or wherever you listen to your podcasts so more people can find the show you can keep up to date with amazing jobs opportunities learning resources and connect with other women by following at women of web3 co on twitter instagram or linkedin that's at women of web3 co feel free to tweet us with any questions about the show and thank you for listening 